normally more expensive to go the more sustainable route, but I think it's really important. Hello, and welcome to the Grow and Behold podcast. My name is Renee, and as a small business owner, I started this podcast as a way to normalize the stress and highlight the success of women in business. In this episode, I'm talking with Rochelle Minagawa from Mother Love Ferments, a kombucha brewery and tasting bar in Kelowna, BC. We chat about the importance of carrying your values into your business, setting healthy boundaries, and raising awareness for new customers while also nourishing your relationships with your existing community. After I recorded this episode, I happened to be in Kelowna for a meeting with a client. If you didn't know already, I work with small businesses to build their online empire with websites and digital marketing. And while I was in Kelowna, I was able to stop by the Mother Love Ferments Tasting Bar. I was lucky enough to drop by when Rochelle was there, and she gave me the full tasting bar experience and a tour of the back. Here's a clip of me trying a pina colada kombucha. So pina, pina colada has Most of my guests I only meet through Instagram, so it was super cool to meet her in person and get a tour of the facility. And you know what? Here comes a metaphor. Running a small business is kind of like kombucha. It takes time to ferment into something amazing and your end product is going to be entirely determined by what you put into it. Okay, fine. Maybe that metaphor was a bit of a stretch, but you know, you know how I love my metaphors. I hope you enjoy this conversation with Rochelle and me. I know that I did. Thanks for joining us here on the podcast. Welcome. So excited to be chatting with you this morning. Thanks for inviting me. I'm looking forward to our conversation. Have you, do you start your day with a, a big glass of kombucha or is that, a, are, you, are you all kombucha? <laughs> I drink kombucha like all day at work. So I actually start my morning with a glass of warm lemon water. Oh, nice. That's a great way. I've heard that's that's good for like waking up the system. <laughs> totally. All that Ayurveda stuff is uh, kind of creeps its way into my routines. Yeah. And you're like, you're into health uh, in general. <laughs> yeah. Health in general is a really like broad umbrella of what I'm into, but that would probably encompass most of the things I do in my life are driven by like health and progress. Like those are, that's my jam. Awesome. Um, well, why don't on that note, then why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself, like who you are as a person and kind of how you got to be where you are today as the owner of Mother Love Kombucha? Absolutely. It was quite an evolution, I think. Like I have always been into health and wellness, being an athlete my whole life. I've done various sports, um, but in my like high school university days, I was big into track and field. I did an event called Hammer Throw, which is the event people are probably least familiar with. Everyone knows like javelin, like shot put, discus, but Hammer Throw is the one where you spin. So I was really into that. I competed um, on Team Canada. I went to the States on a scholarship. So my whole life was very focused on like sports. Um, and then after university, I studied business in college and I moved to 
Japan after university. Um, me as a person, I'm pretty like a spontaneous and I like to, when I'm into something, I'm like really into it. Um, but I also change course pretty quickly. And I lived in Japan for over two years, but I was there during the Fukushima earthquake and the reactors exploding. So that got me really into um, nuclear energy and radiation and even more interested in like detoxing the body. So when I came back to Canada, that's kind of when I got more into fermentation because I was looking at ways to just make my body healthier. So if I had any any stuff in there, like we accumulate heavy metals, we accumulate radiation, like all this stuff that I kind of dove into researching, what are some ways we can remove things that are in the environment that we don't want in our body? Um, and fermentation is a great way to do that. Um, I tend to be a big label, read label reader. So I look at ingredients, like I kind of geek out in that in that realm. So um, I learned that fermentation was really great and I started just fermenting everything. And then I had a baby and on mat leave, I started a kombucha company. Cool. Yep. That's great. And I guess I sh we should explain maybe for anyone who's not into kombucha, like what, what is it? Kombucha is a fermented tea. Cool. So it's made, you might've seen it on people's countertops. It's usually that glass jar and there's like a thing floating on top that's called the scopey or the mother. And that's responsible for turning the tea into a probiotic beverage. And well, then, when I, go ahead. I was just gonna say when I was growing up, my mom always had a big jar with a scoby in it. And I was always like, what on earth is that? <laughs> yeah, I think everyone has that person in their lives that that has funky fermentation going on. Yeah, it's it's not like new. It's it's definitely no. been around for a long time. I feel like it's making its like comeback kind of thing. Like it's it's becoming more popular now. Absolutely. So you did you drink it growing up since your mom made it? Yeah, we we wasn't like I don't remember it being like a favorite beverage, but I think we definitely tried it. We we always had something like echinacea. We called it like flower power or she like you know tricked us into being like this is cool guys it's flower power and so we probably <laughs> thought of it as like a power tea or like super juice or something like that she was good at marketing <laughs> yeah have you always uh drank kombucha or was it something that you got into like shortly before you started your biz I drank it a little bit in high school I had a friend that made it but it's when I moved back to Canada that I really got into just fermenting everything, kimchi, sauerkraut. I did the kvass and kombucha is just something that I think people are more familiar with. So if you have SCOBY, there's like a plethora of SCOBYs and people know about kombucha. So it was just something that I think landed a bit more because it is a more popular ferment. And this is like a random thought, but do you like because you're making large amounts of kombucha, do you have like a massive mother? Like, is it or is it just little small ones? We have it, basically scobies are alive, so they grow to the circumference of whatever you're fermenting in. So if you have small vessels, you have small scobies, but they keep reproducing. So we our biggest fermentation vessel is a 4000 liters. So the SCOBY in that is massive. Like it takes two people to lift it. Wow. That's so cool. <laughs> I had never considered that. You could just like roll yourself up in it like a little burrito. I was so tempted to roll myself up in it, but I was like, that's just weird. <laughs> um, we end up with too many. So we do compost them. They're really great for local compost. So we have a couple of like farming friends that just add them into their compost and then it doesn't feel like they go to waste. 
Cool. Yeah, that's so neat. I never thought about the actual like, you know, process behind producing large amounts of kombucha mm. or booch, as they say. Creeps people out. Yeah, booch is the <laughs> coolest thing, I guess. Are you like hesitant to show like on your social media to show the SCOBY in case people are like, oh my God, I didn't know. Or is it the opposite where you're like trying to, you know, educate people on where it comes from? It really depends on the person. People that are new to kombucha usually get freaked out. So I've had some like video crews come in and I'm like, this is the SCOBY. I always give people a chance to look at it. And some people are like, wow, this is so cool. I want to touch it. And then other people are like, we're not showing that. Like, this is like sci-fi stuff. We're not going there. So it really just depends what people are into. I think it's cool. Um, totally. Everyone has a different comfort level with that kind of stuff. Yeah, some people prefer for it to remain behind the magical curtain and just enjoy their beverage. Absolutely, <laughs> yeah. Um, and then so on that note, like in, in terms of educating customers and kind of raising awareness, you are the, the first kombucha tasting bar in Kelowna. And as far as I know, like in the area, do you, are you the only one in BC? No, there's more and more popping up. Actually, there's another brand in Kelowna called Sajiva, and he started a tasting room on his property connected to his brewing facility. So he has one kind of out by the airport, and then we have one downtown Kelowna. So I think we just might be a bit more well-known. Um, there's one in Vancouver, at least one, I think, and more so popular in the U.S. Like the trend kind of started in California with a brand called GT Dave's. It's the Synergy brand you see everywhere about 20 or more years ago. He, he is responsible, I think, for, for kicking off the, the fad. And so you'll find more of a concentration in like California. So there's kombucha bars there in Hawaii. And then the trend kind of comes up to the West Coast and then moves over. And now it's gaining lots of momentum um, globally. There's a lot of producers that are starting to make kombucha in India. And like there's a kombucha company or a water paper company in Belgium. So it's kind of cool seeing them pop up. And I'm always happy to talk to them and share secrets because we've been doing it I mean eight years I've had the company which feels relatively new but for companies or countries where it's just starting out um, I can share lots of stuff that I've learned on this short journey that I've been on right yeah and kind of just grow the community not you know kind of focusing on that over the kind of competition element of it totally yeah I remember and I went to Portland like maybe five years ago or so and there was like a fill your own station where you just bring any bottle from home and you just like I think it was at a farmer's market but you just like filled your jugs or your bottles and and I was only kind of reintroduced to kombucha at that time and I was like oh my gosh this is what my mom made but it was so cool that like it was popular enough that people would come every week to the farmer's market to fill their jugs yeah yeah so as as not the first in BC, of course, but just sort of definitely the first in Kelowna in the area is rate is educating your customers like a big part of your marketing where you're trying to kind of just let people know what kombucha is. Yes, I find there's so much education in our industry. Also, like this applies to any niche market really is a few people know about it and those people are like your customers, but the education piece is so huge because people either have never heard of kombucha, have never tried it, or they have misconceptions about it or have tried a bad version of that product, either from a homebrew or a company that they, they didn't really love. And so it's letting them know like, oh, 
here's a little bit more about kombucha. Here's why you might want to drink it. And everyone does it differently. So if you didn't like one brand of kombucha or one flavor, it doesn't mean you, you don't like all kombucha. And so that's pretty major. And that's why I also think it's important for like kombucha companies to work together because I, I don't have that like, I'm just going to do it my way and I'm not going to share my ideas or my learnings because if someone's drinking kombucha, that's like a win for all kombucha companies because that's more education and every kombucha company is helping with that education piece or any like fermentation. So I'm all about like sharing stuff, working together and just kind of growing the community because it's, it's healthy and it's good for everyone, businesses included. Totally. Yeah. Um, like a win for you is a win for everybody. <laughs> Absolutely. And how do you create that like safe space for people that are curious, that kind of want to check it out, but like maybe have no idea where to start? I think that's one reason we built the tasting room prior to last year when we built our new facility. We just had a manufacturing um, space and then we would sell it like farmers markets and things like that. But we needed to increase our production. So we built a bigger facility in the downtown brewery district and attached a tasting room. And that gives people the opportunity to come in and try something. They don't have to commit to buying it. And we just have really lovely staff that there's no judgment. Like everyone's welcome. If you don't like kombucha, that's totally fine. You can try it. You still don't have to like it, but usually they'll find something that they like, or that at least they'll know a little bit more about the benefits of drinking it and they can make a choice there. So I think it's just creating a place where people can come, they can try something new and there's less of a pressure to drink. More and more people are not drinking alcohol. So it just provides something that gives people an option. Right. Well, that was my dog barking. I'm just going to let her out of the room. <laughs> oh yeah, go for it. Get out of here, you stinker. Go on. Aww. You're not allowed in here. Is she a, a lab pity? <laughs> She's so cute. Uh, she's like a pit bull lab mix, probably. We're not really sure. She's usually so quiet, but I don't know what's going on. Something, something's out there. A squirrel, probably. <laughs> a black cat. For some reason, she really just hates black cats. <laughs> Superstitious. Yeah. Um, and just going back to your tasting bar, the I think that's really smart because you've kind of created a familiar scenario like people know all about going to the breweries and you get your little flight and you can kind of taste things and so like putting yourself in the center of that is sort of like you can kind of it's it's not too out there for people you know if, if they're not sure about kombucha but they're like oh I know craft brewery it's kind of like that middle zone of, of kind of familiarity absolutely I think it's just making things more accessible so even like if you're trying to create a new habit it's really hard to take that first step, even more so when it's unfamiliar. So we try to make something when it comes to like our packaging, our flavors, even like where we've situated our brewery, um, somewhere where someone doesn't have to try too hard to implement a new habit. And our branding's really simple. Our flavors are really familiar. So if someone's drinking ginger ale, they can switch a can of ginger ale for a can of ginger. And it doesn't feel like too much of a, like a habit change. And I think it's all about those small steps um, because that's just how, how we're wired, I think. Totally. Yeah. Especially for those that are unfamiliar with it, it kind of like gets you halfway across the bridge kind of thing. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, so making sustainable choices is like a big part of your business, at least as far as mm -hmm. I can tell from your website and your social media. 
Um, why is it important for you to carry those values of being sustainable and caring for the earth and the planet or and the and your body sorry caring for yourself and the planet um, why are those important to you to carry into your business i think those are the two most important things like at the end of the day our health is something that money can't buy and so if we do things that are preventative we have less of a chance to run into illness later on like at some point we have to pay for our health and so I'm a big fan of like, I wanna live a long life and I wanna be healthy for the full, the full span that I'm here. And so doing things like exercising, of course, like we know the healthy things to do. And sometimes we take health for granted until we don't have it. And so being preventative is so important and we can have fun while we do it too. It's not like we have to choke back like wheatgrass shots. Like we can have fun along the way and also make really good choices for ourselves. So that's something that is really near and dear to my heart, like especially as an athlete, I wanna be active. And the way to do that is to take care of my body. And then the planet, um, I think we need to be good stewards with, with our community. I think everything does start locally. So if we can refill things, we're not creating as much waste um, and it's just better for everyone. It's also better for the bottom line because if something's, if like glass is really expensive and if it's expensive for me to purchase, there's a reason it's expensive because there's a lot of processes and it's heavy to transport. Um, and I think just making better, easier decisions is good all around. So we use aluminum packaging. We moved away from glass um, because aluminum is way more recyclable. Um, glass is great if you're gonna reuse it. So we encourage people to bring any jug similar to the farmer's market that you went to. It can be a growler from a brewery. We provide growlers, but if people fill, refill things, it's just less waste all around in every, in every department. So we just promote that like, refill as much as possible and then any packaging obviously is biodegradable or 100% recyclable. Mm -hmm. And so you've switched from glass to aluminum. What are some other examples that you kind of do within your day-to-day -day business or big business decisions to, to kind of align yourself more with that sustainable value? Totally. We're careful with um, transportation. We try to do everything in-house. So we make everything in-house, we have a co-packer that comes in so we're not shipping product around to be packaged before it gets to the final consumer. So we do try to like shorten the trips that things make. Um, and then packaging, of course, is in aluminum. We use all organic teas as well. Anything that we are using to create our products is organic, as fair trade and local as possible. We can't get all the teas from Kelowna, but we do get our lavender from a local organic farm um, because I think it's important to be able to see where your food's growing. So as much as we can, we're gonna try to source the best ingredients because that's gonna be the healthiest product It's as the end result, and it's also gonna taste the best. And then we have tons of tea compost. So we do some composting with a loamy in-house, and then we try to get any of those organic teas to local farms so that we're not just creating waste so as, as much as we can, we're going to try to make those types of decisions. Mm -hmm. And sometimes I find those decisions are like not the default. Like sometimes, you know, maybe it's cheaper to get lavender from somewhere far away or something like that, which always doesn't really make sense. But <laughs> somehow it uh, sometimes the cheaper solution isn't necessarily like the most beneficial for the earth. That's for sure. And maybe for the body as well. Um, so have you made like, it must be like a bit of a commitment or like a, a choice process, a, a part of your process where you're like um, making decisions based on those values. 
Oh yeah. I would say it's normally more expensive to go the more sustainable route, but I think it's really important. So all of our decisions are based on what's best, not what's cheapest. I think if we did things based on what's cheapest, we would have a very different brand. Things would taste different, things would look different. Um, and that's a style, some people do that, um, but it's not the way we've chose to do it. And I think there's, there's, there's not one way to do business. And I think how a business is just reflects the values of whoever's driving in the driver's seat. Totally. And do you think that those, those choices to be more sustainable in this case, um, do you think it's like the responsibility of a business owner or is it more of kind of like a, a pri privilege if you're able to make those choices or maybe somewhere in between? I think it's somewhere in between and it is, it's not always the only choice. Like I think as a business owner, I have many different choices of what I can use from the cheapest to the most expensive, but then it's also the customer. The customer has to value what I'm producing. If I make something that is like, if I grow my own green tea, like I, it would be very expensive if I like held to those values too tightly. And then it would probably be something that customers aren't willing to buy. So I have to also consider what the community values and what they're willing to pay for. And then there's always a happy medium. Like we're never gonna be zero waste. We're never gonna be like a hundred percent anything, but we just value health and that comes through in the people that are working, I think the customers we attract. And I don't think I'd ever wanna be on the side of being so like militant almost. Like I think there's also kombucha purists that are like, it has to be in glass and it has to be a certain way. I'm a big believer in flex flexibility. Um, our products have a bit of sugar. We could brew to zero sugar, but they'd be really vinegary. And we're gonna eat donuts sometimes. Like health is so important but it has to be balanced and i think sometimes we can we can go too far in into where it's it's not fun anymore and so i'm always mindful that we we keep it light i'm going to do all the research i'm going to read spec sheets i'm going to check where the ingredients come from but the customer just wants a good drink so i always take that into consideration because we have two sides Mm -hmm. Yeah, that balance is so tricky because like you said, you want to make sure that the end product is enjoyable still and marketable and, and you can kind of build a brand and a community around it without um, uh, isolating customers by either cost or vinegar <laughs> taste <Yeah>. or whatever. <laughs> um, and so for those business values, do you feel like people resonate with that? Like, do you see that with your customers that they appreciate the efforts that you put in to be sustainable and to make healthy choices? I think so. We have a lot of customers that bring in all sorts of jugs to fill. I think it's easy for them because um, it kind of becomes part of a routine. They don't have to buy extra things. If you're buying stuff, you eventually have to like take it to the recycling depot, like that's extra. So we see a lot of people using the refill program we also have incentives, like your seventh fill is always free and we try to make it good like that. Um, but I think the community that we attract is a really lovely community. Our customers are fantastic. Our employees are great. Like it's just so nice to be around people that do value those things. So I don't think I would change anything because the, the community we have is really beautiful. Totally. And it creates like a, a deeper connection, I think, too. Like if you know if there's two bottles 
or cans of kombucha on the table and one of them is just like here it is we made it and the other one's like we're doing our best to you know reduce waste and, and source locally I think that like creates a, a little connection like in the heart or <laughs> somewhere where people actually will like prefer to choose that brand because there's that connection that's created and sometimes it can even overcome some of the cost barrier not assuming that yours are more expensive but if there was like just a cheap brand with cheap products I think there are still going to be people that choose a cheap brand with cheap products oh. because it's less expensive, but then your people are the ones that are, um, you know, willing and, and happy to spend it, not even, it's not even a monetary thing really, but just like to make that choice to go with your brand or with a brand that is uh, the aligns with their values. And it makes you feel, makes you feel good kind of thing. Mm -hmm. We also do kombucha workshops. So I would never want like, money to be a barrier to someone accessing something they want to do so like i mean buying any beverage can be pricey if you're buying coffee every day or even a kombucha every day like that can add up so we do workshops as well so if people want to learn and do it on their own it's much more affordable and it's not like we want to gatekeep anything from people always happy to share totally and then i feel like even if you teach somebody to make their own kombucha at home even if they're going to, let's say, buy less of your product, they're like, they're yours forever kind of thing. Because they're like, oh my gosh, they taught me how to make it. And they're going to, you know, like maybe recommend or buy a couple at the uh, at the grocery store or wherever because they're like connected and, and they feel like that connection between the brand and, and, the, and themselves. I think so. Yeah. Yeah, that's really cool. I think um, one of, was it your workshop? You did a workshop with uh, Plant Gather um yep. a couple months ago was that kombucha or that was like just you were just kind was, of part of it but we have a, a mezzanine upstairs of our facility and it's like just a rentable event space so sometimes oh. we hold events um and there is a girl on our team that is a horticulturist and so that's cool. a pack so that's where that partnership kind of came to play cool yeah because I was doing I was working on their website and then at that time they had like a uh, event poster that we were putting on their website and that's actually where I learned about you from um, do you find those collaborations in the community are like, um, I mean, I suppose it's a bit different because you have an event space, um, but like, how does that kind of work for you in terms of kind of creating that connection and community within other businesses? I'm all about collaborations. That was another driving factor to create a tap room um, because I, I really value community and people. And so to have a space that we could offer up for events or like talks, I think is just helpful for the community. There's always, we always need more spaces. And it is great that people can like learn about where we are since we're a new business. People obviously don't always know there's a kombucha bar. So if something else can bring them in or they can learn something new, um, I just think it's an added bonus. I'm a big advocate of just always continuing to learn. And so to have a space to do that, it's like kind of cherry on top. Perfect. Um, now in terms of just sort of like creating those connections now with your customers um, and the education and kind of just building that community, the kombucha community, um, like what is your strategy? Like how do you build that? connection with somebody other than people who are maybe walking through the door mm -hmm. that's always the challenge I think for every business is how to grow 
grow the community. And are you, you're meaning like kind of growing revenue and growing the community? Yeah, a bit of both. Yeah. Um, I think that naturally happens as people, we have a lot of tourists. So summer is like our time. That's when people are drinking kombucha. Summer is our busy season. And we ha- do have a lot of people that come here from Alberta and Vancouver, and then they go home and they're like, where can I buy this? And so I think this maybe ties into some of the lessons that I've learned as a business owner is you think there's a way that you should grow the business. So for something like beverages or food, you're like, I need to get distribution. I need to get into grocery stores. And you're like, this is the way I think it should go. And that's not always the best way because often you're just losing margin and then you're fighting for shelf space. And so we've gone that way. It's been not as successful as maybe we've hoped it has been. So we're finding the way that we're doing things now is looking for where people want our product, where it's successful, and then aligning with customers that do that. So we um, deliver with Stoke Juice because they go to a lot of the same places. People find our, our products and those people are already like an attentive market. And so I find working with people that are like us and want what we have to offer is better. It's more like going with the flow rather than fighting upstream. And so I think it's like a bit of effort, but it's also a natural evolution Is it uh, from where like, if we listen to what customers want, we'll know where to put our product. And that's not always the most intuitive thing as a business owner, because we have this preconceived notion of this is how to make a business successful. And actually there aren't a lot of rules, which you probably find both things in life like there's not a how to make the perfect podcast or there maybe is that but it's sometimes when you go off track a bit where you find the most success and you reach different people a little easier and that's what we're trying to find is like that flow and balance totally yeah because I think there's definitely you know we all have this kind of idea of what you're supposed to do as a business you Mm -hmm. ABC you take these steps that other bigger companies have taken and so it can feel very overwhelming when you step off of that path and kind of start to take your own path and just do things your own way. But from what I've heard from most of my guests, like that's the most beneficial way to move forward. And it's more fulfilling and you're not, you know, you're forging your own way instead of just kind of like stressing about why aren't you, you know, at this place when this other company was in their business, that kind of thing. Totally. I think a lot of it also comes down to just what the values are. And if a company of any size isn't clear on what they want out of it, then you're kind of just lost. You're like kind of throwing product everywhere, being like, I hope people buy this. Um, But it's like, at the end of the day, what do you want out of the business? Like, what do you need? Would more money make it better? How much, like, what's the trade-off? There's always gonna be a trade-off. It's the same with what we eat to what, how we spend our time. And so if we can, I think, just step back and be like, what am I giving and what am I getting? And does this make me feel good day to day? Because I think we live in a culture where there's so much stress. And I think we can eliminate a lot of that just by looking at how we're spending our time and money. Totally. Yeah. And really taking the time to kind of like carve out those values beyond just here's what I need to make monetarily. (laughs) Totally. The feelings behind it. Oh, the feelings. Um, now, you're as the first tasting bar in Cambodia tasting bar in Kelowna. Um, were there any feelings of like apprehension or anxiety about kind of like opening a physical space and, and kind of being the first at something? Yes. 100%. Short answer. Yes. <laughs> 100%. Um, 
anytime we do something new, it's so scary because there's so many unknowns. Mm -hmm. It's like, I care about this and I'm going to build it. I think the scariest part is it's a piece of yourself. And if people don't like it, if people don't come, it's like that sucks for business, but it's also that like that sense of rejection almost like our business is kind of an extension of ourself. Um, and so it's always scary putting something you've created into the world. Um, and then of course it costs a lot, like being downtown Kelowna is not cheap. And so there's always stresses as a business and you can do everything you can to pre-plan and there's always going to be surprises. So the, I think the best way of maintaining sane is I try not to let any business, like the business roller coaster affect my like personal life too much because there's always going to be a great day where you get like a really great account and there's going to be days where like you lose a customer and like everything goes wrong and if I'm too attached to that it's really it's a roller coaster so I try to be like this is what's happening in the business and I created the business but it's not me and I'm still going to be good over here and so that separation from being a business owner can be really tricky but I think it's important when you especially when you do new things and there's so many unknowns it's very anxiety producing and it's a lot of hard work, but it's not at the end of the day who I am, but it is something I created. It's mm -hmm. that balance. Yeah. And that is so tricky, especially like separating yourself from the business and becoming, you know, being your own person, not just the business being your whole life, especially if it's something that you've created. Like, I think it's hard enough, even when people just work for other businesses, you know, like your job and becomes a lot of your identity in a lot of different fields and so especially when it's something that you've created and you've manifested and then now it's out there in the world kind of separating yourself from it is uh tricky for sure mm -hmm. how do you kind of navigate that like how do you find that separation um I have a, a pretty good life um I try to not like I try to when I'm home be home I have two kids I have a husband. I do a lot of things in my spare time. Like I do extracurricular sports and I try to make sure that I, I give equal time because the business can take over. I can work all day and then work when I get home because things aren't done. So it's that active switch of like, I'm home now and I'm gonna be present. And then that helps with some of the stress because it's not like all consuming. And so the time management piece and making sure that all the things I value get an appropriate amount of energy. It takes just intention. And it's so easy to let the business take over. I'm, I like working and it's just kind of reining that in sometimes and not over committing. My biggest problem is over committing, saying yes to everything and then being like, whoa, I definitely said yes to way too much. <laughs> so less like emotional decisions. I don't know if you have the same uh, problem, but like looking at it from a rational point of view, when it's so easy to just make an emotional decision. I think especially as women in business, we tend to sometimes let our emotional side take over a bit more. Mm -hmm. Yeah, setting those boundaries is so critical, I think, and just being like really specific with it. Like you said, getting home and being like, now I'm home, like take off the business cap, put on the family cap. Um, cause it's, it's easy to wear both all the time and that's not healthy. <laughs> no, for sure. Um, the flexibility is good, but I think that the, the end times, at least in my mind is, is 
really important. Totally. Yeah. Because then they bleed into each other and then you're not giving your full self at home and maybe at business you're thinking, well, I think more, more often, it's just kind of like the business parts it just kind of takes over. It can bleed into the weekends and the evenings and the time where you should be living your life as a human, not just as a business owner. <laughs> Hello, burnout. Yeah. <laughs> got to recharge from everything. Have you experienced burnout? In Oh, yeah. Um, I have the kind of personality where I'll just push, push, push. And then I'll push a bit more to see like what my limits are. I think it comes from being an athlete of like, oh, I can do a bit more. I want to do more. I want to be better. And you're like always pushing. And so I've had physical burnout from overtraining in sports. I've had like adrenal burnout. And so for me, it's like learning the boundaries of where I can be. And especially as a mom, like learning the, like those boundaries, we're always in new environments and just figuring out what's healthy, where our limits are, and then just respecting our limits rather than bumping up against them. Cause that's not the healthiest way to, to go about it. Yeah. But I find out, I find that burnout is one of those things that you sometimes don't learn even exists until you're in it and you're experiencing it. And then you can be like, what is happening? And then someone's like, you're probably burnt out. And you're like, Hmm. Okay. <laughs> yeah. I feel like it's maybe more prevalent now that we just have so much access to everything and work days don't technically end. Um, so there's just all these pressures. Um, whereas I don't know if that was as much of a thing in decades past. I don't know if you have um, business owners that were like kind of doing old school business, but I feel like it's a lot different now and there's so much and you're supposed to be doing all of the like SEO and the marketing and there's constantly too much and just being really choosy with the things that are going to make a difference is hard because there's all these things we should, should do for business. And it's, I think too much. Totally. And especially with like the advancements of technology where you have your cell phone, which is a part of your personal life, but now you've got emails coming in at 9 p.m. that maybe are just going to zap you from wherever you are into work mode. Or, you know, you're supposed to be sharing your personal life on the beach on Saturdays. And it's like you should just be able to enjoy the beach without thinking, is this a good story for the business? <laughs> uh, yeah. So setting those boundaries sometimes ahead of time can help with that and deciding like, for me, it's just Monday to Friday, nine to five. That's when I do business Instagram or something like that. Cause it is, I find overwhelming in this little like voice in the back of your head. That's like, is this a social media story? <laughs> <laughs> and do you do your social media for yourself or do you have someone that does that? Um, I do a lot of it. It is kind of a team effort because like, everyone is in the tap room. So to do a couple stories. I grew up without a cell phone before social media. Facebook, I think, just started when I was in university. So my default is to post it. I can go a whole day without even taking a picture on my phone. And I think maybe the younger generation, it's more natural for them because that's like a communication tool. But I think maybe just as an older millennial, my initial thought isn't to record it. So for me, it's like, oh, I, pro I probably should have done that for content, but it's not the default, which I think is good. I'm glad it's not like my knee jerk reaction to just record everything, but um, I definitely could do better at 
sharing the story. We do lots of really cool stuff in the brewery and I don't always make that connection. Mm-hmm. I, th- I think you're right. It's probably healthier mentally to <laughs> to not just jump on the phone immediately. Um, I hear that with a lot of my clients, though, just kind of being like, an a- it's like an afterthought. They'll do the project, they'll do the thing and then be like, oh, shoot, I should have taken a picture or this. So, And that's just a habit you can kind of slowly work on and build. Yeah. Or hire it out. Mm-hmm. At the end of the day, we can get people who that is their skill set. Totally. Yeah. I say that all the time, actually, because um, I have clients, I do like websites and social media and stuff, and they, they're so good at what they do, like making kombucha, making dog collars, or, you know, uh, doing yoga, whatever it is that they do. They're very good at that. And you can't be expected to also be good at SEO and websites and online management and that kind of stuff. Yeah. It's too much. <laughs> Do you have certain times of day that you work? Like when is your creative window or is it kind of all over the place? No, it's definitely, it took me a while to learn, but um, I would say I work better in the morning. Like the, um, usually what I do is like anything that's kind of harder I'll do in the morning because it's more, I have more energy. I guess I'm just a morning person perhaps. And then things that are more fun. So things like actually um, maybe taking pictures or like creating content, things that <laughs> that I think are fun. Um, I'll say for like later in the day, because then um, when I'm like after lunch, I'm like, oh man, ah, I don't have much energy. Ooh, taking pictures. Okay. And then it like kind of motivates me to do that. So I kind of try to prioritize prioritize the things that I don't like doing as much in the morning when I have that energy and then save some of the things that are more fun or more interesting for when I don't feel like doing anything and then that kind of pushes me into that motivation Mm -hmm. that's smart learning how to work with your energy windows yeah totally because I think similar to what you were saying about you know, the steps you take in a business. I think we all have this idea of like, all right, you should start at nine and go till five. And especially if you work for yourself or work in your home and you can decide your own hours, you don't have to work that. You can work from six in the morning till two in the afternoon or two in the afternoon till 9 p.m. or whatever. It also doesn't have to be eight hours. It can just be two hours sometimes, you know, if you're just really not feeling it and you don't have it, sometimes I'll just be like, all right, well, that was a good four hour day. That's all I got. (laughs) We'll try again tomorrow. Yes, exactly. Because otherwise I'll just sit there and stare at my computer. Probably not going to get anything done or be as productive or produce as high quality of content if I'm not in the mind space to actually to do so. Absolutely. Um, Now I do have, uh, I ask everybody the story behind their business name. So where did the name Mother Love Kombucha come from? Well, the mother is a nickname for the SCOBY. Right. The mother. And I was the mother when I started the business. Oh. It sounds. I love it. It's so sweet. (laughs) Sweet and simple. Easy reason. Yeah. Sweet and simple. (laughs) Um, And if you could hop in a time machine and go give yourself a little piece of advice from about eight years ago or when you started your business, Mm -hmm. what would you tell yourself to kind of help yourself with the journey? Oh, I think I would give myself the advice I kind of touched on earlier, where you don't have to follow a formula of what other companies have done, like assess values, make sure you stick to the values and make 
decisions based on what makes sense. Um, and you don't have to work with people you don't like. Sometimes we think we have to give business to whoever wants our business, but you don't, you don't have to. You can work with people you like. And usually anytime I've gone into like any sort of business relationship, whether it's a, with a supplier or a, a purchaser, and I kind of have a bad feeling or don't really get along, that relationship usually doesn't work out and is more of a headache than it's worth. And it was like, oh, I could have just not done that. We don't really have to struggle as much as we do sometimes. And so I'd be like, trust your feelings. There's really not an equation. And like, don't stress too much. And I, I stress too much, but. There's something know. to work on. We all do. <laughs> yeah, that's great advice. So just kind of surround yourself with people that you enjoy and, and can kind of help each other grow instead of struggling through the ones that you don't enjoy or, or bring you more stress. <laughs> Um, and I have a, a playlist on Spotify called the Grow and Behold playlist. And every guest gives a, a song or two for motivation. Those days where you're just not feeling it, not got the energy or the mood for working, but you maybe need to get some stuff done that day. Um, do you have a couple suggestions of songs that I can add to that list? Yeah. Uh, one of my favorite songs that just like always keeps me moving is Can't Hold Us by Malcolmore. It's just so catchy. And I did look through your playlist and you don't have Africa by Toto on there, but I mean, you gotta. That's a solid contribution. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. Yeah, sometimes I'm just tempted to like load it up with some of my songs, but I'm, and there are a few that I've just like put in my own contribution, but I'm uh, trying to keep it uh, to guest suggestions. So that's finally someone suggested it. <laughs> Is that your song? <laughs> no, no, but it's, oh. it's a, definitely a good suggestion to have on there. <laughs> yeah, it's very eclectic. I like it. <laughs> mm -hmm. Cool. And is there anything else you would say to business owners who are uh, out there and they're just kind of like on their journey? Oh, I think right now in this business landscape, everything feels really hard. Like we're post-pandemic, the economy is kind of weird. Um, I've never worked harder for it seems like less results than I have right now. Business seemed so much easier years ago even though I make more, like everything's more now, but it also feels like a lot more. So I think if like you're feeling tired, I think everyone's feeling tired. Like we're, it's a lot. And it's not always like we can plan as much because things are so much different than they used to be. So I think it is a really hard time to be doing business. And so anyone that is doing it has probably made a ton of shifts. Um, and that's awesome. Like if you're doing business, good job. Because it's, it's not easy and not everyone sees that as a business owner because you're always taking care of everyone. Um, so it's cool when you can talk to other business owners and be like, yeah, we all deal with the same things and we're doing a great job. Totally. Yeah. And I think you're right. It's, it's, it is just like a more difficult landscape out there. There's with the uncertainty, we're all still probably a little burnt out from the pandemic in some way or another, whether it's physically or socially. Um, so yeah, that's a great point. If whatever you're doing, you're, you're doing it. You're doing great. <laughs> Give yourself some grace, drink a little kombucha. It's not going to hurt. <laughs> yeah. And uh, day one day at a time. Totally. Totally. Well, thanks for joining me and joining us for this conversation. I really appreciate it. It's been really nice chatting yeah. with you. Likewise. Thank you so much. 
Hey, thanks for listening. And thanks for the reviews. It means so much to this little independent podcaster. So if you haven't left a review yet, it only takes a moment. Oh, and another thing, have you checked out the Grow and Behold website yet? There are free ebooks like SEO for beginners, and I just released a series of free workshops for small businesses that you can sign up for. Plus, there's an extensive blog covering all sorts of small business self-help topics. Thanks again for listening. See you next time. Whoa, I definitely said yes to way too much.